0: You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln Audio Podcast. And if you would open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. We're also going to be looking at a passage of Scripture in John chapter 21. So if you want to go ahead and mark that, now you can. So you can flip easily to that when we come to that point. Um, Today, as we continue on in this Encountered by Jesus series, we want to spend some time talking about failure. You're like seriously Pastor Stan, we just finished Thanksgiving and you want to talk about failure? Yes, seriously. Why failure? Well, there's one thing that we all have in common, right? We've all experienced failure. If you haven't, let me go ahead and tell you, sometime in your life, multiple times you will experience failure. And because this is true, the question that we have to wrestle with is not will we fail, but how will we respond to the failure when we do fail. And um, some people have, it seems like, more opportunity to determine how they're going to respond to failure than others, right? Let me give you an example this morning. Listen to this. When he was seven years old, his family was forced out of their home because of a legal technicality. He had to work to help support them. At age nine, while still a backwards, shy little boy, his mother died. At 22, he lost his job as a store clerk. He wanted to go to law school, but his education was not good enough. At 23, he went into debt to become a partner in a small store. Three years later, his business partner died, leaving him with a huge debt that took years to repay. At 28, after developing a romantic relationship with a young lady for four years, he asked her to marry him. Guess what she said? No. Uh, An earlier youthful love he shared with a lovely girl ended in heartache after she died. At 37, on his third try, he was finally elected to Congress. Two years later, he ran again and failed to be reelected. It was about this time that he also had a nervous breakdown. At 41, adding additional heartache to an already unhappy marriage, his four-year-old son died. The next year, he was rejected for land officer. At 45, he ran for the Senate again and lost. Two years later, he was defeated for nomination for vice president. At 49, he ran for the Senate again. Guess what? He lost again. He suffered an endless campaign of criticism, misunderstanding, ugly and false rumors. He suffered periods of deep depression. He was snubbed by his peers and despised by his multitude. By the multitudes. At 51, however, he was elected the President of the United States, but his second term in office was cut short by his assassination. And of course, this man was Abraham Lincoln. As Abraham Lincoln uh, lay uh, dying in in a, uh, a boarding house room across from where he was shot, Edwin Stanton, who was one of his great opposers, spoke these words about Abraham Lincoln. He said, a lifetime of failure until great success. Uh, This morning, as we look at a story of failure, it's somewhat like that. We're going to see failure, but we're going to see failure followed by success, or what we're really going to see is failure that's followed by the redemption uh, of Jesus Christ. Um, You know, as I was considering Abraham Lincoln's life and the failures that he suffered, uh, for me it appeared that um, the failures that he suffered came from outside forces, exterior forces that were working against him. Today, we're going to look at Peter's failure in his um, denial of his relationship, his association with Jesus Christ. And as we consider that failure, I believe that Peter was suffering from something that came from the inside. Peter was suffering from a failure that was a result uh, 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 of a heart matter. Um, thankfully, there's a beautiful end to Peter's story. Uh, Peter has this encounter with Jesus, and in this counter, encounter, we see redemption beyond his failure. And the story of Peter is really good news for us because it allows us to see that with Jesus, it's not three strikes and you're out. Instead, with Jesus, there is always hope. There is always redemption beyond our failure. So I want us to look at Peter's story this morning in Luke chapter 22. Um, Before we take a look, I want to begin with verses 31 and 34. And I would consider these few verses to be somewhat of a prequel to Peter's failure story. And in looking at these verses, it gives us a fuller picture of the struggle that was going on in Peter's heart. So listen as I read verses 31 through 34. Um, so here's what's happening. Jesus is with the disciples at the Last Supper. Um, as they're eating, there's a dispute that arises um, among the disciples about who is going to be the greatest. And so Jesus intervenes. And in that intervention, um, he actually says, uh, you are those who have stood by me in my trials. And then he lowers the boom on Peter. In verse 31, it says, Simon, Simon. Satan has asked to sift you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And uh, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he replied, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows three times today, you will deny me. before the rooster crows today, you will deny three times that you know me. And so that's the prequel to the failure and so what we find after that is uh, Jesus and the disciples go to the Mount of Olives Jesus prays the disciples sleep uh, suddenly there's a crowd that gathers uh, in, the, in the garden where they're praying uh, Judas is, is in the midst uh, of those uh, the, the crowd Peter just kind of begins to swing his sword and suddenly there's an ear laying on the ground Judas betrays Jesus and Jesus is arrested. And then we pick up in verse 54. It says, then seizing him, Jesus, then seizing him, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. And when some, and when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him, but he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you also are one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. Um, As I said earlier, uh, when we look at at Peter's failure, it, it would appear that the failures come from the inside Um, so I'd like for you to hear about Peter's failure from Peter's perspective so would you just spend a few minutes watching this video with me
1: they say a rooster crowing is God's wake up call yeah that's uh at least that's the way it was for me. Everything, that that whole night was a blur, all right? Um, I didn't comprehend, none of us could comprehend everything that was going on, all right? We were all in the upper room. Jesus was washing our feet. Um, then we were in the garden. Jesus goes off to pray by himself. I fell asleep. I'm not proud of it. I had a big meal. Bread makes me sleepy. Next thing we know, me, James, and John, Jesus is in our face, and he's trying to wake us up. And uh, he said, um, he said, uh, the, the, uh, the flesh is weak, the spirit is willing. And, and then before we know it, Judas is kissing Jesus on the cheek. I try to go help him. I cut off this guard's ear. For the record, I wasn't aiming for his ear. I'm a fisherman, not a swordsman. And then they, uh, they arrest Jesus, and they take him off. And we we ran and it wasn't but two hours earlier that we were in the upper room I was looking at him I was looking him right in the eye saying if everyone disowns you Jesus I won't I'm with you I love you and I think that's what made me stop turn around go back and uh, I caught a glimpse of Jesus as they were taking him to the high priest's house I stood at the gate And some girl comes up to me Starts pointing at me Starts going, you, you're with him You're with this man that claims to be the son of God You're one of his disciples I felt like every eye was on me So I just brushed her off I said, you don't know what you're talking about You got the wrong guy I get my way into the courtyard, and uh, it's cold, I I try to warm up by the fire, and then there's this guard that recognizes me, and he is uh, from the ear incident, you know, and starts going, get him, get him, he's with him, just arrest him, get him, and I'm like, you don't know what you're talking about, all right, I wasn't with him. It was easier the second time to deny him. It was time right before morning and um, this wise guy he comes up to me and goes, Who are you kidding, alright? Who are you fooling? You're with him, I can tell by your accent. I'm like, this is just the way I talk, alright? And and the whole night they kept pushing him around, they kept beating him, they kept spitting on him, throwing insults at him, and I couldn't take it anymore. I had enough. I was tired of people accusing me, looking at me, and I and I just I said a few things that I'm not proud of, but I was like, leave him alone, you don't know what you're doing, alright? Just leave him alone. I wasn't with him. and that's when I heard the most blood curdling sound that I ever heard in my whole life I heard that rooster crow and at that moment Jesus he turns around and he looks at me he looks at me and his gaze you can't escape his gaze I mean when his eyes are on you you cannot escape it and they arrested him and they took him off I will die with you, Jesus. If everybody disowns you, I will die with you. What a, a joke. I mean, what would you do? At that moment, at that time, I ran. I ran so fast. I ran so long. And you know what they did? They killed him. He's dead.
0: In the past, when we've talked about Peter, uh, we've often described Peter as the disciple with the foot-shaped mouth. Peter was uh, by nature brash, he was vacillating, he was undependable. Um, He made great promises that he couldn't keep. He was one of those people who was wholeheartedly in but just didn't seem to be able to finish. Um, Peter was often the first one in and he was the first one out. And as we read about The denial story of Peter, and even as we hear from Peter's perspective, we recognize that this description fits him very well. It fits his personality. So what are some of the significant points that we need to draw from this morning, significant points of Peter's failure? Well, the first thing I would say is Peter had a pride problem. Peter had a pride problem. Peter was confident that he would not fail. Jesus made it very clear to, to Peter that Satan had requested, Satan had asked for permission to test him. And uh, he, he made it clear uh, that it was going to happen. Nowhere in the passage do we hear Jesus saying, uh, not today, Satan, you're not going to mess with Peter. But instead, he, he, gave, he gave permission, and we see that played out in, in, in Scripture um, Peter responds to this warning with something like, It's good. Not problem. All, all's good with me. You know, I'm, I'm willing to go to prison. I, I would die for you, Jesus. You don't have to worry about me. I'm with you to the end. But we see that proud Peter wasn't successful with that, at least in that moment. Proud, proud Peter, when it came to crush time, Peter's pride and his confidence failed him. Uh, and looking at Peter's pride, I'm reminded of a verse in Proverbs, Proverbs 16:18, that talks about pride being the leader of failure. I love how it reads in the message version. It says, first pride, then the crash, the bigger the ego, the harder the fall. Do you hear that? The bigger the ego, the harder the fall. And so I want I want us to think this morning, I want us to take some time to consider, um, has your pride, has your pride, your pride, your pride, has your pride ever gotten you in trouble? Has your pride ever gotten you in trouble? Can you think of a time when you consider the various failures in your life uh, that pride played a prominent role? You know, not all pride is bad. Uh, We can be proud of achievements in a healthy way. We can be proud of our kids. Uh, And and I believe that there are times when pride and humility can actually live together in a healthy way. But that's not the kind of pride we're looking at in this story. Uh, There's a pride that's self-centered, that's arrogant, that's superior, that's conceited. There's a pride that... um, Is uh, so self focused that it disregards the wisdom that others may be able to input into a person's life. And the ultimate end of this kind of pride is that it's destruction and failure. So let me ask you this morning can you identify a current situation in your life now where you are being led by pride? Because pride is destructive. And if so, if you can identify a situation right now where pride is leading you, what will you do about it? Because if you don't do something about it, the pathway is destruction. The ultimate pathway is failure. So don't let your pride pull you down. Uh, A a second significant point of Peter's failure is company. Uh, We know that after Jesus was arrested, the the Gospels tell us that Peter followed at a distance. And in in John's portrayal of the story, in in John 18, 18, we're told it was cold and the servants and officials stood around the fire they had made to keep warm. Peter was also standing with them keeping warm. Peter was in the wrong place keeping company with the wrong people. Peter was in the wrong place, keeping company with the wrong people. Peter set himself up for failure. Have you ever set yourself up for failure? That's what Peter did. Peter set himself up for failure. See, the people around that fire, they weren't the friends of Jesus They were the enemies of Jesus. That fire was in the courtyard of the high priest. Annas was the high priest at that time. And he was to be the one who would make the first formal initial inquiry into the charges that had been made uh, against Jesus. These were friends of Annas, not friends uh, uh, of Jesus. Paul writes in his first letter to the Corinthian church... Uh, something that's sound wisdom about the company that we keep uh, company with. He says, bad company corrupts good character. We thought our moms and dads made that up, didn't we? <laughs> they used it so many times. It, it's, it's, it's scriptural. Don't let somebody tell you that's one of those things that's not really in the Bible. It's in First Corinthians chapter 15.33. Bad company corrupts good character. Pretty clear, isn't it? It's pretty clear. So let me ask you this morning. Lots of application in this message. Who were you keeping company with? How do the values of the people that you're keeping company with line up with godly values? How do they line up with your values? How might opposing values be affecting the way that you think, that you act, and that you speak? Is it time, is it time for you to make a change in the company that you keep? Because sometimes that can be really hard, can it? It could just be hard to just kind of say, you know what, we're not going to do this anymore. It's even more challenging to say, we're not going to do this anymore because I don't agree with the life, the beliefs, the set of standards that you have. I don't think they line up with Scripture it's, it's very hard to do that. But I would say if you recognize that you're keeping company with the wrong company, if their values oppose your values, and, and I want to believe that your values are based on Scripture, that you would do something about it right away. That today you would make that decision, even though it's hard. A third significant point of Peter's failure is his initial response. Peter was wrecked. Peter was wrecked by his failure he denies Jesus a third time. The rooster crows. Jesus, somewhere nearby, catches sight of Peter. Peter catches sight of Jesus. And immediately, something happens, I believe, in his heart because he ran and he wept bitterly. And this is, this is good because it shows he's still sensitive. His heart has not hardened yet. See, with the crow of the rooster... And with the sight of Jesus, as he looked on, Peter immediately, I believe, remembered Jesus' warning. Scripture says that. I think he also remembered his pride, and I think he remembered his sin. And I have to believe that as Jesus looked on at Peter, it wasn't a judgmental look. It wasn't a condemning look. Uh, It wasn't, Peter, you blew it again, you dummy. Instead, it was a look of compassion and love and concern and care. Remember, the thing we all have in common is that we fail. Well, when we fail, the same is true for us. Jesus doesn't look on us in a shameful, condemning way because we failed. Instead, he looks at us in the same way he looked at Peter, with care and concern and compassion and, and, and love. So that means that we can come to Jesus in our moments of failure. So often when we fail, we pull away because we think, oh, I've, I've just disappointed, I've disappointed God. But instead, when we fail, we need to come near because we understand how Jesus sees us and how he loves us and how he wants to uh, bring restoration and, and redemption in our lives so we can embrace him in our times of failure. Uh, A final significant point of Peter's failure is his initial belief. In John chapter 21, and you don't need to turn there quite yet, after Jesus had been crucified and buried and risen from the dead, some time passed, and then we find that Peter is found back at the Sea of Galilee. And in verse 3 of chapter 21, we're told Peter says, I'm going out to fish. Peter began as a fisherman, but Jesus called him and said follow me and he invited Peter to follow him into something that was beyond anything that Peter could even imagine remember Peter is the one who when he uh was with Jesus his name was Simon and 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 Jesus said "Uh, your name now is Peter which means rock and on this rock I'm going to build my church but now Peter's failed and we find That Peter, as a result, has gone back to his old life because Peter thought that his failure was not redeemable. Listen, when Jesus is brought into the equation of failure, failure is always redeemable. When Jesus is brought into the equation of any failure, failure is... Is always redeemable. And we see this in John chapter 21. Uh, So why don't you go ahead and turn there. It's here where we see this life-changing encounter that Peter had with Jesus. And it's in this encounter where this incredible, beautiful story of redemption uh, occurs. Beginning in verse 15 of chapter 21. It says, When they had finished eating... Jesus said to Simon, "So, so think about this. Um, they had uh, Peter and the disciples had gone back to fishing. They're on the Sea of Galilee, fishing, not catching, but fishing. And Jesus appears." Uh, they don't recognize who it, who it is. But he calls out, he says, hey guys, how's it going? How's the fishing going? Catching anything? And their response is, no, nothing yet. And so he says, well, put your nets out on the right side. You'll catch some fish then. And so they did. They put their nets out on the other side, the right side of the boat. And, and, and the catch was just incredible. It was overwhelming. Suddenly John realizes that's Jesus. He announces it to the disciples. And they all make their way to Jesus. They sit with him on the beach as he cooks breakfast for them. And then, in verse 15, it says, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time, he said to him, Simon Son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and someone will dress you and lead you to where you I do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Isn't that a beautiful story of redemption? Peter has been by the fire and three times he's denied his association with Jesus. And now we find Jesus with the disciples but focused on Peter there on the beach. And in that time, in that encounter, he redeems the failure. He restores him. Um, there's, uh, there's four things that I want to draw out of that redemption story. Actually, five. Uh, one's not in your notes. The, the first that I would say is we have to understand that this isn't just Peter's story, but this is our story. This is the same story for us. This is how Jesus redeems us. Um. The beauty of the story is found in how Jesus pursued Peter in his failure. Jesus came to Peter and the other disciples there on the beach. Jesus took the initiative in the conversation with Peter, and it was in this conversation that the redemption took place. Do you realize that Jesus pursued us before our failures ever actually took place? knowing we would fail, knowing we would come into the world with a sin nature, Jesus, um, by coming to earth and by dying on the cross, initiated the redemption process. He completed the redemption process for us. And he initiates the conversation with us in our failures as he speaks to us through his Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit reminds us, the Holy Spirit reveals to us, the Holy Spirit affirms in us the redemption that took place through Jesus on the cross. And again, this tells us there's no failure that cannot be redeemed because of the finished work of Jesus the redemption price has already been paid. The redemption, uh, the beauty of this redemption story is seen in the recognition that although Peter had given up on himself, Jesus did not give up on Peter. Peter had given up on himself. He went back to fishing, but Jesus did not. It was in this encounter encounter, that Peter was recommissioned by Jesus to the original plan that he had for him. Again, remember, he said, your name is Peter. That means rock, and on this rock I will build my church. That never changed. And so once again, Jesus renews that call in Peter's life. He did not discard him because of his failure. How often do you and I discard people because of their failures? I confess, I've discarded people. You failed. I don't want anything else to do with you. And, and, and there's a whole message that we could talk about. That there's there's so much involved, and I don't want to devalue any of that. But we do have a tendency to discard people when they fail. Jesus never, never discards people when they fail, and Jesus doesn't discard us when we fail. He pursues us. Again, His Holy Spirit convicts us and reminds us of the price uh, that was paid by Jesus so that we could have redemption. The Holy Spirit works in us to bring conviction so that there's change that happens in our heart, and then repentance comes, and restoration follows repentance. So we don't have to distance ourselves from God when we fail, but instead, we, we can draw near. And, and then as we draw near, the Holy Spirit helps us identify and work out those things on the inside that brought us to a point of failure. See, failure doesn't just happen. It's a journey there. There's something going on inside. And so the Holy Spirit works with us so that the changes can happen. The beauty of this redemption story is seen through a revelation of God's grace. The grace that Jesus had for Peter was greater than the failure. You see, Peter didn't have to do anything to earn grace. He didn't have to do anything to earn forgiveness. He didn't have to do anything to earn uh, restoration. It was a gift from Jesus. It was simply a gift. It was a gift of undeserved grace that forgave him and pardoned him. That's what it did. Same is true for us. We don't have to earn redemption, we don't have to earn restoration. We receive, through the price that Jesus has paid, undeserved grace that pardons and forgives. Uh, Perhaps the most beautiful aspect of the redemption story is to see how it played out beyond the seashore that day. Um, Peter's failure wasn't final, but it actually became a defining moment in his life. And we see this uh, on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. Verse, it says, Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. So Peter, who's this brash, vacillating, undependable, first in, first out guy who says, I'll go with you to the end, Jesus, denies Jesus three times, but now he's been forgiven, he's been pardoned, and he's filled with the Spirit, and he stands up beyond his failure And that day, the church is birthed, and 3,000 people come into relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the power of the Holy Spirit. The beauty of what happened on the day of Pentecost is that it means there's hope for us beyond our failures. It's a picture of the hope that's available for us beyond our failures. So, um, three lessons three lessons that we need to learn. We've said we all fail. So we need to get a new definition of failure. We don't need to see failure as an end, but we need to see failure as an opportunity for growth and new beginnings. Failure is not an end; it's an opportunity if we respond the right way. Uh, don't let your uh, your fear don't let your failure paralyze you. Jesus doesn't discard you in your failure, so don't discard yourself. Sometimes we can become paralyzed because we're afraid we might fail and so we do nothing. Listen, you will fail. But just know there's grace, there's redemption. Jesus does not discard you and your failures. And finally, when you fail and you will receive God's grace and move forward with confidence, do not disqualify yourself. Now remember... Repentance is involved in this process. And it's having heart changes. And the Holy Spirit works that out in us. And it's a process that we move through. And it's a process that we move through most often fairly slowly. Because whatever got us to the point of failure needs to be changed. But with all of this, looking at Peter's failure... Is there a failure in your life that's holding you hostage? Think about that. Is there a failure? Maybe that failure happened 25 years ago, 35 years ago, maybe it happened 10 years ago, maybe it happened last week, maybe it happened yesterday. But is there a failure that's holding you hostage? Think about that. Is there a failure that's holding you hostage? Yesterday, I was talking to Pastor Sam, who's the campus pastor at the Statesville campus, and he says, "What do you think is the bottom line of this message?" And I said that there is redemption beyond our failure. If we walk away with nothing else today, it's the knowing there is redemption beyond our failure." And Peter is an example of that. So what I want to say to you today is there is redemption beyond your failure. Would you bow your heads? If you identified a failure that's holding you hostage, would you imagine yourself holding that um, failure in your hands right now? And then would you imagine yourself say saying Jesus I confess this failure to you but also I'm I'm offering it up to you right now and just to see yourself just Lifting that failure up to Jesus, offering it to Him. And then hear Jesus saying to you, I love you. I'm not discarding you. There are some things that I want to change in your heart, in your life. And as you open yourself up to the work of my spirit, those things can happen. But you are not disregarded, you were loved, you were forgiven. You are pardoned. You are restored. Please draw near to me. Hear those words right now. Father, I pray that for every person in this room because we've all failed at some point in our life. And for so many of us, there are failures that are holding us hostage. So today, we symbolically hold those failures in our hand and symbolically we lift them up to you. And instead of holding on to them, we open up our hands wide and we release them to you. And we thank you now for your restoration, for your redemption, for your forgiveness, for your pardon. We receive it right now in Jesus' name. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.